through 25 seasons. Hey! 4,561 episodes. I believe the Oprah Winfrey Show was one of the greatest classrooms in the world. I really never thought of it that way. The aha moments, the breakthroughs, the LOLs, the connections, the occasional ugly cry. I miss him so terribly. I miss him every single minute. The moments that mattered. The eye-opening life lessons. Never allow them to take you somewhere else. I'm bringing them back. It's time to open the vault. I've personally chosen these classic episodes to share with you again. Every single person you ever will meet shares that common desire. They want to know, do you see me? Do you hear me? Does what I say mean anything to you? You are listening to The Oprah Winfrey Show, the podcast. These five women live in suburban America. They are mothers. Some are even grandmothers. One is a banking executive. Another is an industrial engineer. After long marriages, they are divorced and back in the dating world. They're like many of you or women you know, except that they are all members of a sisterhood nobody, nobody wants to belong to. We begin with Diane. My name is Diane Reeve, and I'm 58 years old. I have a master's degree in education, but my, my original training was with, in nursing. I have a six-degree black belt in Taekwondo, and right now I teach martial arts. My second marriage lasted 18 years. After my divorce, the dating scene had changed dramatically. It was very difficult to meet people, and I really don't do bars. My friend suggested that I use an online dating service. That's how Diane met Philippe Padu, a handsome, charismatic, and seemingly successful businessman who swept her off her feet. When I first started dating Philippe, I was head over heels. He was very charming. He made me feel like the only woman on the face of the earth. Diane and Philippe shared a passion for travel and martial arts. The courtship was fast and furious. We went everywhere together. We traveled. We did go to Paris. We went to Rome. We went to Amsterdam. We were everywhere. The couple were planning on moving in together, so when Philippe lost his job, Diane offered to help. He came up with the idea that he could go to work for me and teach martial arts for me. Diane hired Philippe as an instructor at the martial arts studio she owns in Texas. But she says it wasn't long before his money problems began to put a strain on their relationship. As things deteriorated where he got tighter and tighter financially, then I started to pay for cell phone, pay always when we would go to dinner. And as an employer, then I would pay for his health insurance. About four years into their relationship, Diane says Philippe began pulling away from her she began to suspect him of cheating. He always had an excuse, I have to do this, I have to do this. There was one time where I did catch him with someone at the school. I stopped by the school and I noticed that the private lesson room door was closed. He opened the door and he blocked the doorway and that's when I slammed the door open and she was behind the door. The final straw was he called and said he was not feeling well, so I stopped by his home to see how he was doing, and he wasn't home. Although Philippe insisted he was being faithful, Diane's gut told her differently. Because I was paying for his cell phone, I checked his voicemail messages. There were not one but two voicemail messages from two different women, and I knew 
So Diane was certain that Philippe was cheating, so she broke it off. A few days later, she went to see her gynecologist for a routine exam. Watch this. She called me a few days later and said, you know, I really had to tell you this, but your pap smear came back a little funny. She told me that I had some precancerous cells and it was due to an STD. Diane thought if she had an STD, the other women Philippe was seeing may have it too. After I was diagnosed with the STD, I did try to reach out to the other women. I thought well, it would be a responsible thing for me to do to warn them. Diane went back through Philippe's cell phone records and discovered he had been very busy. He was dating nine other women at the same time he was dating me. Diane called one number and spoke to another one of Philippe's girlfriends, Susan. We compared notes, and some of the time that she'd been seeing him, I had been seeing him. So then she said, I have an STD, and I am pretty certain that Philippe gave this to me. So Susan went to her doctor to get checked out. I received a phone call after my testing from my doctor. She said, I have some news for you. Um, for one thing, you have herpes. And she said, but that is not the worst of it. And she said, you have HIV. And my immediate reaction was, was just to wail and say, no. I got the call from the health department, and I immediately called Susan, and I said, do you know anything about that? And she said, we need to talk. I got a test. Two days later, my OBGYN called me and said, you're HIV positive. My heart went to the floor. I, my knees buckled. I was in the kitchen. I remember very, very explicitly, my knees went to the ground. And I thought, my life is over. It was crushing news, but Diane and Susan kept thinking about the other women Philippe had dated. So they set out to try to stop him from striking again. It was like walking around with a loaded gun, just shooting people. First, they filed a police report. Then they launched their own full-scale investigation, starting with Philippe's cell phone records. So we wanted to help. They and, did our mission. You know, and it's they half were... of North Texas. <laughs> I mean, it goes yeah. on for pages and pages and pages. Mm -hmm. We actually contacted somewhere between 23 and 26 women. One of the women Diane found in Philippe's phone records was Megan. She lived across the street from Philippe and dated him for over two years. When Diane first called me, in a way, it was a relief. My suspicions were correct. The three kept watch over Philippe's house. I mainly used this window to watch cars coming in and out and to watch what was going on at Philippe's house or which women were coming in and out. When Megan saw women leaving, she'd stop and warn them that their lives could be at risk. We watched Philippe and took down the license plates and followed him for at least six months. Diane, Susan, and Megan were now on a mission to save other women's lives. They warned more than 20 women about Philippe's HIV status, but they say that wasn't enough. They wanted Philippe off the streets for good. 
After Diane and Susan filed a police report, the health department served Philippe with a cease and desist order, demanding him to stop having unprotected sex. Then Diane recalled a critical piece of information. It was in 2005, and he had complained that he was having some pain. Diane, who'd been paying for his health care at the time, paid for Philippe to see a doctor who ran multiple tests, including one for HIV-AIDS. Diane waited in the parking lot while Philippe received those results. He walked right up to the car. I rolled down the window. He looked in and said, it's all negative. And I said, everything's negative? Yes, everything's negative. You're HIV negative. Yes, I'm HIV negative. And it was a lie that I wanted to believe. But Philippe's medical records confirmed he knew he was HIV positive while having sex with countless unknowing women. That key evidence finally led to his arrest. Police charged him with six counts of aggravated assault with a deadly weapon. The weapon, his bodily fluid. When he got arrested, our emotions were just, we were just like, it's victory. He was finally off the streets. There's no doubt in my mind that if Diane and Susan didn't go out and elicit the help from the other victims, that we wouldn't be where we are today. 10 women, all now HIV positive, were willing to testify against Philippe in open court. Prosecutors would have to prove that Philippe gave them HIV. The defense would try to prove that he was the victim and had been infected by one of the women. For the first time in Texas history, prosecutors hired a DNA expert to conduct genetic testing to determine the source of this strain of HIV. One sample, sample one, was the source of most, if not all, of the other uh, samples infection. There's one common denominator amongst all those women, and who is that? Philippe Badu. Please welcome Sophia. Trisha, Diane, Susan, and Megan. Hi, ladies. Welcome. Hi, Diane. Wonderful, wonderful, wonderful. Thank you. Nice to see you. Wow. So the social stigma attached to being HIV positive is still very difficult for some of these women, many other women in the world. So a few are in disguise and using pseudonyms to hide their identities. So, Susan, you told my producer that you feel you're taking a risk by being here. Why? Well, um, we have jobs, careers. Uh, we want to think about our family, but we feel that it's so important to tell our story and, and helping others. Yes, and I, I would imagine that in the process of all of you all actually coming together to put uh, Philippe uh, Padue behind bars, that there was a bond for all of you women, correct, Diane? Absolutely a bond. And it wasn't a bond of blood by parents, but it was bond mm -hmm. of blood by infection. And nobody else understands it like we do. Mm -hmm. And was the goal immediately to try to find him and put him behind bars? Yes, ma'am, absolutely. We, we, that was our mission from the get-go, mm -hmm. is to get him off the street because we knew he was a predator. Was he seeing all of you at the same time? Pretty much. And then some. And then some. And then some. Yes. And some more. OK, so this is, this is what's really important, I think, for everybody else watching. What is it that you felt instinctively or 
suspected instinctively about him that you didn't really act on? Because, you know, if it looks like, smells like, quacks like, it is, generally. But uh, he wasn't nothing like that. He was so handsome, so gentleman. He always opened the doors for you. He always did all these things. Uh, he wrote notes to me always uh, in Spanish and say, uh, te quiero, mi amor. And so he, he was very slippery, though. I didn't suspect him because he worked so hard. You know, that's the impression that I got. He was always busy working, and he was very tired at the end of the day. Well, and he had us all lined up. <laughs> yeah, I bet. But he had us all lined out. You know, Mondays were Monday, Wednesday, and Saturday. And then he had his Tuesday, Thursday garage Tuesday, lady. Thursday. And then he had okay. somebody on Friday night. Thursday, and then there was Sunday afternoon. And Saturday, and I stay overnight and leaving Sunday. I would think with nine women, though, you'd get the names messed up at some no. point. Sweetie. Called everybody sweetie. A sweetie. term of endearment, always. Mm -hmm. always. Always sweetie. So he couldn't slip up. Really? So he never called you by your name? Not really. When we were in person, he did, but never on the phone. But there were other women he was seeing in addition to us. Now, which one of you, Sophia? You were just, you were re getting over a 25-year marriage. Is that correct? That's correct. So this was your, was this your first uh, I'm out on the dating scene? Yes, I didn't know what to do. I just, it was so nice to be, he was taking care of me and I mean. Because you hadn't been in the I, dating I, world No, I was years. married for 25 years and I don't know what to expect up there. Mm -hmm. And all of us were kind of like that. I think he prayed on 18 the- 18 years. 18 years. Mm -hmm. and, 20 and years. 20 yeah. years. 10. 10. 10. 10. And, and he preyed on the vulnerability. This is not just about uh, HIV, uh, the virus, but it's about being able to not be taken, to be taken in, to be taken advantage of. So I'm interested in what you saw, what you felt, what you now know. You know, Maya Angelou always says, when people show you who they are, believe them the first time. Yeah. So what right. did he show you the first time that it took you four years later or you know, 10 months, two years, whatever, to, 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 to grasp. What well, did you see? He didn't believe in what? God, for one thing, or any, any superior He didn't power. believe in God or a superior? No. He really was not spiritual at all. He hated his own mother. Mm -hmm. That was a tip-off. Yeah. That's one of the reasons that I couldn't continue with him, is because I was expecting more of the relationship than just uh, coming to my house and stay over and I'm feeding him breakfast and he, there he goes. You wanted intimacy and connection. That's right. And, that. yeah. and I just started seeing the pattern of him just trying to come over to my house, rushing back uh, out and uh, coming well, back because he had another date. Because he had another date. He had yes. busy. Yes. Yeah. Okay, so what about this relationship with this man were you willing to accept that went against your own values? So to be with somebody, if, if, if believing in the higher power or believing in God is important to you, was that something you were willing to overlook in somebody that didn't? That's what I'm trying to get. What, there, were, there had to be signs that were bigger than you know, the sexual signs or the... It's one of the reasons that I couldn't continue. Is because? 
uh, I, I needed more out of the relationship okay. than just that. Than just that. I mean, I think everybody kind of felt missing a relationship. We wanted to get back into that solidarity of having. So you um, actually went on, went online. Did yes, you, I did. You all met him how? Different. Restaurant. Restaurant. I met him at an upscale restaurant club. Uh, upscale club. Same here. Same, okay. He lived in my neighborhood and was actually mowing my lawn without telling me because my lawnmower was broken. Mm -hmm. And that's how we struck up a conversation. My doctor, she says, Sophia, I got uh, bad news for you. You have a test positive for HIV. I didn't cry. I, I feel like when somebody takes the carpet from under your feet and she say, do you have any questions? And I say, well, how long do I have? The first thing that came to my mind is my son. I say, oh, how can this be happening to me? I'm not a promiscuous person. I was married for 25 years. What is my child gonna do without the mother? That's Sophia, one of Philippe Padu's uh, victims. He's the 54-year-old playboy who used sex as a deadly weapon. All of the women here on our stage today were infected by him and were instrumental in putting him uh, behind bars. But I understand, Trish, you, you had talked to him about using condoms or protection, right? Yes, I had. Yeah. He was a very convincing person. Mm -hmm. And he would, I, I said, you know, this is what we should do. And he said, no, I'm very wholesome. I'm clean, I'm a martial arts instructor. I live my life so right, and we're adults. This is not necessary. But you did ask, you did think about it. Absolutely. Yeah. Did anybody Several else times. here think about it? Yes. Yeah. We yeah. talked about it. Yeah. We talked about it early on, and, and, and I confronted him. I said, you know, I'm not seeing anybody else. Are you seeing anybody else? And he kind of mumbled something. And I said, if you're seeing somebody else, that's okay, but we're gonna start using condoms. And then that's when he said, no, no. I'm not seeing anybody else. So I said, we're exclusive? He said, yes, we're exclusive. Okay, now, okay, key word here, mumble. 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 <laughs> key, key, key moment here. So on the tape, you said earlier, Diane, that there was a moment where you were waiting out in the car and he came and he said he was HIV negative and everything was negative. So did he go specifically to get HIV tested? No. He went because he thought he had kidney stones. Mm -hmm. And the internist, I guess, twisted his arm and made him get HIV tested. Mm -hmm. He swaggered out of that doctor's office. He walked right up to me like he always did. There was no pallor. There was no sweating. He was as macho as he always was. I rolled down the window of the car, and he told me he was negative. Do you think that that's the first time that he knew? Absolutely not. Yeah. Well, that's why he could swagger out there. Because so. he already knew. He knew when Guess he went so. in. He swaggered in and swaggered out. Yes, ma'am. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He did. So do you know now how long he did know? How long would he have known that he was HIV positive? We don't have actual proof except for September of 05. Mm -hmm. But we know that he infected someone as early as 1997. Wow. Wow. He'd been out there for 10 years. 
Wow. At least 10 years. Wow. Uh, so does anybody have any idea how he contracted the disease? Does anybody know? He had uh, been in prison previously mm -hmm. for armed robbery six years, mm -hmm. and we suspect that's where he got it. In prison? No hard facts, mm -hmm. just what we suspect. Did you know that while you were dating him? No. Have you talked to him since? He called me the day after he was arrested from jail. And he said, you're behind this, aren't you? And I said, yeah, pretty much. And he said, you know you're never going to be able to live with yourself if you do this to me. And I said, let me tell you something, Philippe. I'll never be able to live with myself if I don't. Good for you. Good for you. So Philippe Pedio was uh, convicted of six counts of assault with a deadly weapon. His own HIV-positive bodily fluid was the deadly weapon. ABC's 2020 interviewed him in prison about four months ago, just a week after his trial ended. Uh, you were with him the longest. I'm sure you saw that interview, yes. I did see it. It's, it's so obvious now in hindsight, looking at him, knowing the sociopathic nature that he has, mm -hmm. the narcissistic, the, the, the malignant narcissism is just so key and so obvious. There was none of that when I was with him for four and a half years. How could that be, though, really, Diane? How could he not? A narcissist is a narcissist is, you know, a narcissist. So he had to show some narcissistic behavior. He would look at himself in the mirror mm -hmm. and, and fuss with his hair. Mm -hmm. But that was really about the only indication that I got. Like to talk to him about himself a little bit. Mm -hmm. But, you know, what person doesn't like to talk about themselves? But, uh, yeah, but, but you can tell, everybody has seen the kind of person who is a narcissist, who's kind of not just talking about themselves, but a little full of themselves in a way that makes you want to throw up. I, I can... <laughs> <laughs> you know, you know what I'm he saying? He's so sly, though, and he made you feel sorry for him. He told us all That's he had a terrible things. childhood. Mm -hmm. And he made us all just cringe. The old terrible of... childhood lawnmower trick. And, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. He made yeah. you want to, you know, kind of help to take care of him. And... Yeah. If you knew then what you know now, what would be the signs that would have really? My big red flag came up when he was rough with me. Mm -hmm. And I had sex with him twice. Mm -hmm. And he would not stop. And I feared for my life because he was a karate expert. Mm -hmm. I was alone with him, and he just zoned out. And then he did not return my phone calls. I continued to call and say, you know, I have a physical issue. At that time, I did not know it was HIV. Mm -hmm. I mean, it was a tear. Mm -hmm. He was that rough with me. Mm -hmm. And he never called me back. I didn't see that in him in the beginning at all. Mm -hmm. He carried himself. He was very mesmerizing and uh, proud. I mean, I guess if you're a martial, martial arts person, you, you carry yourself well. Mm -hmm. And you, I would have never suspected it. There weren't many red flags. Well, on May uh, 29th, 2009, Philippe Padu was uh, sentenced to 45 years in prison. He will uh, <laughs> only be eligible for parole in 22 years, when he is 76 years old. He is appealing his conviction.
Dr. Kimberly Smith joins us. She's an infectious disease specialist at Rush Medical Center here in our own Chicago. She says that she treats a lot of women over 40 years of age who are single and married who are HIV positive. Really? It's true. Uh, so are, you're not surprised by this story? Uh, no, because as you said, I take care of a lot of women with HIV and most of them acquired HIV from their husbands or their long-term boyfriends. They were in what they believed to be monogamous relationships. They didn't do anything wrong, they just trusted their partners. Yes, and black women are at the top of that list. Black women are at the top of that list, absolutely. So isn't there a level of security, particularly, I would say, among middle-aged women going back on the dating scene? Trish said she did ask him to, you know, wear condoms. You all said that you did, and then he says, don't worry. But I'm, my thing is, what's the point of asking if he says, don't worry, I'm safe? And you go, oh, okay. Right. Right? Oh, but, it, but you're in a trust relationship. I mean, you're intimate with this person, and it's somebody that you want to believe because they're your partner. And looks you... can be deceiving. Right. He looks strong, healthy, professional. Right. He treats you well, and when he tells you, he looks you in the eye and tells you, that, oh, tells in you, my case... Do I look like I have AIDS right, to right, yeah. Three right. weeks. Yeah. This does well, not look the like the face of it. I mean, that's really important point, that you really can't look at someone and tell that right. they have HIV. I think no. that misperception is part of the challenge. And so it I is. think a lot of women who are middle-aged and who are coming out of long relationships have been sort of lulled into a sense of security, thinking that there are other people HIV is a problem for other people. From the beginning of the epidemic... Did you all think that? No, we, we thought we didn't fit the profile. So what's the protocol here? I mean, I think it's probably, you know, Diane said that she waited outside and she asked him when he comes out of the clinic, you're negative? And he says, yes, I'm negative. So are you supposed to then say, it, it's so unromantic to say, let me see your records. Exactly. Well, well, and those can you, be fake, too. Yes, and those could be fake, too, but it may yes. Be, it may be unromantic, but you need to protect yourself. And Absolutely. so, you know, the message that I always give to women, particularly women that are entering into new relationships, is that they should talk to their partner about sexually transmitted diseases. They should demand that condoms be used until they've marched down to the health department or their doctor's office with their partners and got the test and verified that their partner is negative. And even then, if you suspect that your partner has other partners, you still need to always protect yourself. I have a new slogan, B-Y-O-C. Right. Bring your own condom. <laughs> Bring your own condom. I wish I'd have had one with me. Me too. You know, a woman cannot always make a man wear a condom, particularly if you're in a long-term relationship. Look at Miss Neck Lady right here. There you go. <laughs> Miss Neck Lady. Miss Neck Lady. What'd you say, Miss Neck Lady? What'd you do with that neck? I what? said, I said, if he wants some, and he would have to put one on. <laughs> okay, okay. All right. But then, you know, and I understand what you're saying, but on the other side of that, you know, if you're in what he has told you is a monogamous relationship, and he's told you that you're negative. I mean, you know, if I could go back and do it again, believe me, I would do it exactly like that. You're absolutely right. For me, if I was dating, you know, I would not care what anybody wants to do. If you're gonna have sex with me, you have to have a condom. I would have my own. But there's one other thing, because it's like he was walking around with a loaded gun. And people cannot blame us 
because we didn't wear a bulletproof vest. Wait, you know, if somebody shoots you, if somebody shoots you, nobody blames you for not wearing a bulletproof vest. Do not blame the victim. Do not blame the victim. No. But we are not talking about bulletproof vests. We're talking about sex it's and, and protecting protection. yourself from these STDs. It's a killer. That's what the whole point of this is that they felt like they weren't in the profile. They weren't right. HIV. They, they weren't drug users. You're right. You're we right. You're right. I hear you. It's not about profile. Yeah. Dr. Smith says that her patients range in age from 18 to 78. And uh, I hear that this is becoming a real issue for seniors. We're talking about older men and women who are still healthy and who are sexually active, but who don't see themselves as potentially at risk for HIV. And so they're engaging in unprotected sex. Once you uh, bring HIV into a closed community and one person has it, then, and there's a little bit of mixing going on, then... Because I hear at nursing homes, this is an issue. At that the, it certainly has been documented that that can be the case. Well, and so, I mean, the message really should be that it's really not who you are, because unfortunately, I think from the beginning, people were made to believe that you had to be a drug, drug user or you or had a gay to be promiscuous or you had to be a gay man. You don't have to be anything. What you have to do is have unprotected sex mm -hmm. and be unlucky enough to come in contact with the wrong person. Right. That's correct. That's the message of today. My children found out in a very sad way. One of their friends called them on the phone to say that they had seen Philippe's photograph on the news and he had been arrested for spreading AIDS or HIV. And my children knew that I had dated this person for a long time. I felt like I had shorted them because of my misjudgment of some idiot that I was dating, now they might lose their mother. I come from a little bitty country town, raised on a farm. My parents are over 80. I went home and I just grabbed them by the hand and I said, your daughter made a big mistake. And my daddy just shook his head and he says, oh no, not my little girl. It broke my heart to see them so sad. I can tell my family because I don't, I don't know how to go and tell them how stupid I was. I know they will love me anyway. It's okay, everybody. It's okay. <laughs> it's okay. It's really okay. Unfortunately, your children had to hear about it on the news. How old were your children? Um, well, that was a couple of years ago, and uh, now my oldest is 19, almost 20, mm -hmm. and my next younger daughter is uh, 18, just turned. And so do then... you wish that you had told them yourself? Yeah. Obviously. Yeah, it would Not have been much better. Yeah. But in fact, my oldest daughter, she told me she had already been suspicious because I I threw a fit one day and I said, don't use my toothbrush, don't use my razor. And I took everything out of the bathroom. And at that point, she suspected. I said, who knows? I said, you know, I haven't been feeling well and God knows what's wrong with me. I said, don't use anything of mine. And at that point, she herself suspected that something was mm -hmm. wrong. Yeah. My daughter was suspicious when she went to use my mascara. And I said, stop, you know, and, and that was it right there. And I told my kids, 
right away what had happened uh, within a few days. And, um, and my oldest daughter just looked at me and she said, Philippe, I know it was Philippe, Mom. That beautiful neck lady over there is right. And our main mission to come forward, and it's taken a lot of courage on all of our parts. As, yeah, as, as long as we live, we're going to make mistakes. I'm the senior citizen of the group. And if I could just change those two days that I was with him sexually, I would unripple so much harm that these ladies are talking about. I have children, mm -hmm. along with my parents, mm -hmm. and they've all been hurt. But we can't look back. We can't change the past. We yeah. only have to look forward, and that's why we're trying to change the future for other women. Mm -hmm. That's mm -hmm. what's important to you us. You believe there are other women out there? Oh, yes. yes. Um, yeah. There was a lady moving in with him, so I waited until it appeared that she was leaving by herself and followed her and was able to. You know, at a stop site, I beat my horn, she rolled her window, and I asked if I could please speak with her just for a few minutes, and I used to date Philippe. And so she did. She went to a public spot, and that's where I told her that I was HIV positive and I was sure he had it. And the next day she moved her things out of his house. But he had not told her. She said she, she had a feeling he, he might have been promiscuous in his past, but maybe he had changed his ways. Well, and he had been court ordered for a cease and desist to say, you either won't have sex, you'll use protection, and you will disclose. And he had a car mm -hmm. in his driveway that night. The same day he was given the season. The same day. And the next day. Yeah. And the right next day. There may have even been people who have died and not known why. There's going to certainly be somebody who realizes that they also you know, were sexually active with him. You mm -hmm. should get yourself checked if that is the case. Knowledge is power. So let's talk about your lives today. I understand some of you are, are, are dating. You're dating? Yes. There was a long time that I didn't go out. And when online, there's a website called pause.com that several of us have found the gentleman in our life now. And it is just for people who have been infected with HIV, AIDS. And um, I found a wonderful man who is a 21-year survivor of mm -hmm. HIV. I would like to say that he possibly is the love of my life. And had I not gone down this journey mm -hmm. of pain and making the wrong decisions, I would have never found him. So it's a God deal. It's a God deal. That's what I want to say. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. If you allow yourself to be led by the divine, it always is, always is. So, who else is dating? You married. I married. You married. Right. You remarried. I did. Yeah. I, Since all of that. I thought it was over for me, too. And I found this wonderful man who had been, has AIDS. And we talked and talked and talked online and then decided to get together. And we got married almost a year ago. And then you abandoned that. Okay. So you're, are you are you you're with somebody who's not HIV? That's correct. Yeah. Is that hard? Not really. He's very kind, caring, compassionate. Mm -hmm. I disclosed on mm -hmm. the second date. Mm -hmm. 
Um, that was a difficult moment, but I, you know, he's wonderful. Mm -hmm. Can you kiss? Oh, yeah, we kiss. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. Okay, because it's an exchange of bodily fluids. So. But there's no HIV in the saliva. Yeah. It's very difficult for a female to give a man HIV mm -hmm. or AIDS during normal vaginal mm -hmm. sex, even unprotected. But you must use protection regardless. There are many other things you can catch. But during normal sex, it, it's very difficult for well, a Let me correct that just a male. little bit. Okay. It's not, uh, uh, it certainly is easier for a man to transmit to a woman than for a woman to transmit to a man, but it certainly happens. And, and so very difficult is probably an overstatement, but it certainly is much easier for a man to transmit to a woman. And bodily fluids like tears and saliva really don't transmit mm -hmm. HIV unless they are stained with blood. And so it's fine to kiss, it's fine to hug, and you can share, you know, glasses of water or wine or you whatever. You cannot share razors though, correct? No. It's probably not safe to share razors just because there can be blood There's on them. Blood on them, and yeah. And so that is probably a precaution that is worth taking. But as far as, you know, sharing utensils and, and kissing and hugging, mm -hmm. there's no reason that a person should be concerned. Okay. Thank you, Megan and Susan and Diane and Tricia and Sophia. There are many women watching right now who I think uh, will have you all to thank for their new sense of awareness, especially if you're getting back into the dating game. Mm-hmm. Thank you. We appreciate Condoms. <laughs> Condoms, right, Miss Neck Lady? Yes, absolutely. Condoms. We appreciate you being here. Dr. Kimberly Smith, thank you so very much. You. If you at home have any doubts or concerns that you may be infected with HIV, you should get tested. You should just get tested today. All of these women are testimony to surviving. Thanks, everybody. I'm Oprah Winfrey, and you've been listening to The Oprah Winfrey Show, the podcast. If you haven't yet, go to Apple Podcasts and subscribe, rate, and review this podcast. Join me next week for another Oprah Show, the podcast. And I thank you for listening. <laughs>